1: Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Heather Deaton, Wealth Advisor for the Ellen Becker Investment Group. Ellen Becker Investment Group is located in Pewaukee, just east of Highway 164 and Capitol Drive in the Town Bank Building, and also in the Village of Whitefish Bay in the Equitable Bank Building across from Winkies. We also service clients in Bonita Springs, Florida. Visit EllenBecker.com for more details. My guest today is Viola's Distinguished Achievement Professor, Dr. Alonzo Morales from University of Wisconsin, Madison. And we'll be talking about economics and social impacts of local and regional food systems. When I think about a food system, my heart really goes to a busy farmer's market filled with the abundance of fall harvest, like corn, squash, cabbage, sweet potatoes, apple cider and eggs, Hearing laughter and chatter in many languages, it's truly my happy place. And I know that that is just one part of a complex food system that fuels our bodies, minds, spirits, the economy, and cultural traditions. So here to share insights and information about our food systems is Dr. Alfonso Morales. Welcome, Alfonso. Thank you so much for joining us today.
0: Thank you so much, Heather. I'm excited to be with you all. I'm so thankful for the opportunity to visit with you and your listeners. This is great.
1: Absolutely. And you clearly have a passion for food systems. So why don't you tell us a bit about yourself and your background and where your passion comes from?
0: Well, thank you very much, Heather. Like you, I'm a huge fan of markets and street vendors around the country, around the world. Uh, I grew up uh, my family's been farming and ranching for a long time in West Texas and New Mexico, more than 100 years. And so I grew up in in, in with an agricultural background, uh, but didn't want to be a farmer and went to college. And, and after graduate school, uh, well, in graduate school, I became a vendor at a big street market in Chicago. In different places here in Wisconsin, we have Maxwell Street days. After the Maxwell Street market in Chicago, I became a vendor at Maxwell Street Market and wrote about gender, economics, household formation, social order, law and regulatory uh, activities of that market. And so ever since then, 1993, I finished my dissertation. I have been an aficionado of marketplaces. And uh, so as for farmer's markets, well, I have the same passion as you. Your description fits my happy place Mm -hmm. as well, right? The voices, the smells, the, the scenes, the activity, Absolutely. it's beautiful. So, so for the last 15 years, I've been working here at the University of Wisconsin at Madison and uh, on food systems, generally speaking, markets and vendors here in the state, the nation, and the world in the spirit of the Wisconsin
1: idea. That is great. Thank you so much for sharing. Like I said, you definitely have a passion. You know, let's talk a bit about, say, retail and farmers markets when it comes to, say, organizational sales?
0: Sure, sure. So uh, interestingly enough, farmers markets uh, and community-supported agricultural farms, many markets have done increased business, and those CSA farms have, have occasionally doubled in volume during this year, during the pandemic. People became very concerned about the length of the supply chains that food was traveling over, and they wanted to... To localize they wanted to to put their dollars in their local economies uh, support farming uh, and agricultural production in their local economies and so we saw increased sales at many farmers markets in wisconsin and elsewhere now of course that was balanced because due to the pandemic some markets closed down entirely as well however sales are have been robust this year and it so happens that I have a software program for farmers market managers that helps them track these things. So, and we can talk more about that later, but in short, sales have been robust for farmers markets.
1: You mentioned CSAs. You wanna give a description as, for our listeners as to what that is?
0: Sure, absolutely. So Community Supported Agriculture is the, the acronym. The CSA is a farm near a large population center usually that sells shares of the produce of the products of the farm to people in the in the community you might remember maybe some of your listeners remember like i do uh, milk being delivered to your doorstep
1: Mm -hmm. whenever
0: i was young i milked a cow (laughs) and (laughs) but i remember small dairies delivering milk directly to people's store. In effect, people bought a share of that dairy because oh, they were they were they were buying they were buying milk from that dairy, they bought a piece of that dairy in effect. So, when you join a CSA and uh what you do is you pay up front anywhere from a few hundred dollars to many hundred dollars, 800 dollars depending upon how big a share, how much food you want. Do you want eggs, do you want animal proteins? you want vegetables. And so uh, so you and 80 or 100 or 400 of other families in your communities purchase those shares from the farmer and the farmer does the work and delivers the food to you and the people in your community. So it's an innovative model that's been happening here in the state for at least 25 years that I can think of.
1: Yeah, I de- we, we had a a share in a CSA farm. And it was so interesting and wonderful to have food in a box that we would get every week. And we knew where it came from, who was growing it. We had the opportunity to work on the farm if we chose to help out at, in a way. And um, it also, they, they would provide us with recipes because some of the items in our box, I had never seen before. <laughs> and it, or certainly hadn't had them prepared in a fabulous way. This actually got me to want to eat beets again, you know, and, and had me, and right. And I had never seen the, uh, celeriac root before. And so I actually, (laughs) um, you know, worked with that, but I, you know, that's what also got me very interested in, in farmers markets and being able to shop at local farmers directly.
0: It's so exciting, right? I'm from the Southwest. I'm from New Mexico, right? And, uh, when I moved here to the Midwest, when we moved here 16 years ago, uh, I was not aware. I saw Brussels sprouts growing on those big old stalks. I had never seen that in my life, you know. And, <laughs> nice. and and so like you, I said to myself, "Wow, this is fantastic." And what I brought with me was a love for, you know, chili and uh, some you know various vegetables of the southwest of the southwest cilantro, which of, of course grows like a weed here. You know, you just scatter some seeds and it just re- reseeds yeah. and populates, mm-hmm. and, you know. And so, so it's wonderful to see that mix of things. I think your point that you just made here, I want to repeat it for the listeners, is both CSAs and farmers markets, the, those folks are caring for their product from the soil to the consumer. And I think it's very interesting and important to, to share with folks that uh, how food is produced actually has lots of implications, not just for our health, right, but, that we use pesticide-free Products, when possible, we limit the uh, unnatural fertilizers. Uh, but that, for instance, we try and grow soil. We try and produce healthier soil. And by that, I mean, there are products, there are ways of, of growing food that sequester greenhouse gases, that actually mitigate greenhouse gases. Okay. And so I'm an ag head professor, right? So yesterday's science magazine, the Association for the Advancement of Science, the, mo- the preeminent journal of science in the world. There was an article about food systems, about everything from soil to what is done with the leftovers in restaurants and where else. Mm -hmm. And uh, in that article, they said, changing production activities can limit greenhouse gas emissions and help mitigate climate change in a huge degree, in a huge degree. Now, I won't tell you the hundreds of millions of metric tons of carbon that can be sequestered by these processes over decades. But I can tell you that as a professor who works with farmers, market farmers, we are actually helping them. We're My team, my lab at the University of Wisconsin-Madison is working with uh, farmers to help them understand the ways that they're limiting greenhouse gas emissions in their production activities and helping them adopt better production activities. So, you know, this is when you just go to a farmer's market and you're having a great time, you are really seeing only the tip of the iceberg. Absolutely. (laughs) For for all the different uh, benefits that uh, that marketplace is supplying to communities, uh, to the community that, that it's in.
1: And tip of the iceberg is right, for sure. You know, with that, we'll be right back after a short break. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Heather Deaton, Wealth Advisor. My guest today is Dr. Alfonso Morales, and we're going to start this segment talking about local and regional food economic impact. And Alfonso will be able to share some of his insights in that, you know, when we wrapped up the first segment, we were talking about farmer's markets. And I really thought about how, when I know the person that has grown the food for me and harvested the food and brought it to the market, and I buy it directly from them, I see the pride they have and I carry that with me to where I take much greater care of that produce when it is in my refrigerator, making sure I do good work with that instead of if it were to happen to go to waste in the back of the fridge, like sometimes maybe happens, say with like a, like the strawberry container, you know, gets in the back of the fridge, we forget about it, they go bad, they have to go to the compost. Um, Just some different ways to think about it when you really have that greater tie to food. And there's economic impacts of that type of mentality as well. Alfonso, thoughts you have to share?
0: Absolutely. You know, Heather, I mean, this is absolutely the case. One of the things that uh, knowing that we're going to be shopping at a farmer's market, knowing the the high quality of the food that we're getting there, knowing that we're getting a box from a CSA, Uh, we can start to plan, you know, we'll get that email with recipes, uh, or we'll pick up recipes at the market. And we'll say to ourselves, wow, okay, instead of, you know, I'm going to put some organization into my refrigerator. Here's, here's Monday's meals. Here's Wednesday's meals, uh, Thursday's leftovers and what we're going to do with that. You know, so it's absolutely the case. And of course, that's very important. Economically, a lot of folks, they're worried about economizing their food, but at the same time, they want what's best for their families. And so they're over there spending some dollars at the farmer's market uh, in order to get the best produce available, in order to support these other goals, to support the local economy, to support the local community, waving their hands, you know, saying hello to neighbors, so the that market though, to your point about regional economic impact, that market is part of a system of markets. There's 250 or 270 more or less markets, farmers markets here in the state of Wisconsin alone, about 270. And uh, other direct market, we call this direct market agriculture, people who sell directly to the consumer at whether at CSA or on the roadside stand, or you know, in a, through other direct sales. There's a lot of economic activity in, in all that. And uh, measuring it is, of course, very interesting and important to folks. And I've been part of research that, is, that has done some of that work. Five years ago, I worked with a couple of economist colleagues and we estimated using state-level data that Wisconsin local food markets contributed about Ten billion dollars to the state economy. Ten billion dollars in 2012. Okay, this is an article that was that's a report that's widely available. We redid the the analysis for the state of Idaho, which is one of the states. The economist, one of my economist colleagues, is at the University of Idaho, so we redid the analysis for Idaho and published it. Uh, and again, it was about four about 4.1 percent of that state's gross state. That's the Total value of goods and services in the state of Wisconsin about ten billion dollars, billion with a B. <laughs> so it's a these are substantial activities. So that one farmer's market in your community, little did you know, but it might they might be doing three or four hundred thousand dollars a year in business.
1: That's amazing. Right?
0: Those thirty farmers might be selling, might be doing three hundred thousand dollars a year in business. The soap producers there you know, the other crafts and hobbyists. That's important economic activity. And this isn't to say that folks shouldn't use grocery stores. Of course you should. But when you keep your dollars local, then there's a multiplier that circulates those dollars into the community. And we want to take advantage of that whenever possible. You know, local farmers, locally more resilient communities, responsive to local need, right? And economically robust
1: This is wonderful. So I think resiliency is something that obviously this year above all other years has really been tested. Tell me more about about how you see local and regional food systems displaying the resiliency, especially this year at 2020.
0: Right, it has been remarkable. Um, Goodness, okay, I will try and say it in two or three pieces. The first piece is that folks are very responsive, right? Consumers and vendors and market managers and local government, they're all part of the same constellation of ideas, right? They all have similar goals. They want to continue the earning income. They want to continue buying healthy food. They want to continue sponsoring healthy food outlets. If you're government, you want to continue that. And so there's a lot of discretion, a lot of work together at the local level in March and April, at the, in, at the beginning of the pandemic, there was some confusion. Uh, I actually wrote about some of this myself, but I participated in some of those conversations to try and ensure that farmers markets as essential services uh, had the opportunity to operate in the state and, and had the opportunity to by their operation do more than just serve the economy, but remind us that we're community. Right. Remind yeah, folks absolutely. that whenever, you know, remind each other that that the neighbors are there, that the folks, that the, that the kids in the rival high school, they're still there <laughs> waiting for the right. rivalry to get reignited. You know, that the older folks who go out for a walk, they don't even go shopping at the morning. They just go for a walk. You know, that they're still there and that they could go still, you know, wander around now and so so if you look across the state you saw in operation you saw many markets in operation supporting community but of course that happened because uh government regulators were responsive many cases not every case but in many cases there was responsiveness between government regulators and market managers in order to ensure uh safe and and accommodating reopenings of farmers markets so one other one other point then that I would say in terms of the pandemic is that while sales have been robust at farmers markets and at CSAs, resilience is not just economic. A resilient community is much more than economically resilient. It's a community that's able to respond socially as well as regulatory. I just illustrated how responsive regulations can be if you've got the right folks at the table, exercising their professional discretion. But, and and we've talked a little bit about social resilience, right? Being able to visit with the uh, rivals, you know, at the yeah. you know, see folks and whatnot, but there's ecological resilience as well. And local foods really produce ecological resilience. I'm one of the, I mentioned earlier that uh, I'm working my software program, which is farm 22 factsorg it's market manager software used in uh, the U.S. and Canada. We're, we're building that uh, for hospitals as well. And, and hospitals and market managers and consumers, they are all very interested in purchasing local food that is not just local in economic impact, but has ecological impact. And so we're working with a number of farmers around the state and soon around the country to develop a metric that helps understand their activities let me give you an example because this is exciting to me yeah there's a farmer a, a guy named dan up in osceola so up northwest right mm-hmm. basically at the level of the twin cities the same uh, latitude of the twin cities but he farms in wisconsin yes okay. his csa serves about 300 members he sells 300 shares of csa and for in the twin cities area and for 15 years people have been asking him this and more and more people have been asking, so Dan, what are you doing for the planet? What are you doing? This food's delicious. Are you doing production activities that support the planet? So what did he start doing? He installed solar array, right? Ah. He, in, he installed greenhouses to extend the life of his production life. He, he put in uh, electric batteries in his delivery vehicles. So, so he, he does zero emission deliveries. And he's doing production practices in his soils that conserve greenhouse gases, that mitigate the slow greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, The science of all this is complicated. I'm not going to go through it all. But the the point is, is that we can show, you know, that he can he can actually we're working with him and other farmers in the state. A woman named April, who's a pork producer here south of Madison uh, and others to show how they are adopting practices that support ecological resilience, mitigate climate change, and support wildlife diversity and wildlife habitats. Believe it or not, support plant and animal diversity as well. So when you're in a small farm and you have a lot of latitude, if you've only got 40 acres, and, you know, like Farmer Dan does, and 10 of them are in forest. And so what can you do? How can you manage that forest land? Uh, how can the state support farmers like that in managing their uh, their production activities to in support of ecological resilience?
1: This does show the complex nature of and complex impacts of small farmers, too. You know, like sure. you said, if they've got more control over where they focus. And if there are different statewide programs to really think about that and what that's doing to help them out. We'll talk more about that after a short break. Welcome back to Money Sense. I'm Heather Deaton, Wealth Advisor. And my guest today, Dr. Alfonso Morales, is talking with us about food systems Alfonso, why don't you share some insights into any of the programmatic pieces of food systems?
0: In this, Heather, there are many, right? Um, And it's very important for folks to be aware of the the variety of things, the variety of resources they can access for knowledge about food systems. Here in Wisconsin, we have, and in many states, there's something called Know Your Farmer, Know Your Food. It's a USDA program that helps people connect with food systems in their local communities here in wisconsin we operate uh, several regional farm fresh atlas network organizations and those farm fresh atlas network they have wonderful resources to connect folks to local farmers the local farmers markets other local food outlets in their in their regions i think that's an important source of information for anybody interested in where their food comes from and how to get the freshest food available and still support their local economy. Uh, Absolutely.
1: Farm Fresh Atlas, the publication day. Now, of course, it's available online as well. But that's always one of the most exciting uh, points of the year for me is to see, you know, be able to look into what markets are, are going to be around, what farmers are doing what. Yeah, it's really a great resource. I didn't know about the USDA resource, this Know Your Farmer, Know Your Food.
0: It's unfortunately it's while an interesting resource the the problem with it is that it relies on local reporting, so the resource can feel out of date if uh, if if somebody doesn't update their listing in the in the u s d a atlas of farmers markets, then it's behind you know sure, and sure. and unfortunately that's the case so but nonetheless the u s d a has many supportive programs that filter through cap, right, the Department of Ag, Trade, and Consumer Protection here in the state. For instance, the Farm Fresh Atlas Networks. But cap also sponsors a number of other important programs and opportunities for local food systems. They have a small grant program to support local food enterprises. Uh, they, they sponsor the state government, sponsors the Farmland Advisory Council, which helps farmers and local government collaborate to preserve local farmland. try and keep farmland in production or fallow as opposed to new development new buildings new roads tries to encourage a better use of of this prime agricultural land that we have been gifted here in wisconsin we have amazing soils throughout the state and very diverse agriculture everything from the central sands you know potatoes and carrots uh, tobacco cranberries uh, you know the orchards There's much less the big commodity production of corn and soybeans. So we have very diverse agriculture and important organizations. I should speak to uh, not just government organizations, but non-government organizations, like the Wisconsin uh, Grassland Growers Cooperative, uh, a beef growers cooperative that, with an eye to very carefully managed beef production that supports healthy animals, healthy soils, and healthy people. A number of organizations around the state that that care deeply about these things. We have actually the oldest conference of organic agriculture in the country or maybe the world, uh, MOSES, the Midwest Organic Sustainable Education Seminar. It's called MOSES. Okay. (laughs) And and, uh, in February each year, thousands of people would descend on the cross or Eau Claire. I've presented at those conferences myself, and uh, that's from all over the country. Those conferences are important gathering places for organic agriculture. I'm not sure how they're going to do it this year, February of 2021. We'll see.
1: Yeah, definitely. Many things are having to pivot, if you will, to virtual. And, you know, I participated in some different conferences that have really um, went off very well. Um, in the virtual environment, especially when you have a group of passionate people on an important topic that has a lot of impacts. And you mentioned taking farmland and developing it, you know, so being able to truly find the value in land and as farming being a valuable use of farmland, what organizations or types of places help with, with that for these small farmers that might be really struggling and and might be seeing a higher price tag if they were to subdivide?
0: Right. So that's such a good question, Heather. So there's two broad answers to that question. The first answer is the Center for Integrated Agricultural Systems here at the University of Wisconsin-Madison is an important source of information for small farmers around the state who are trying to preserve their production activities in the face of development. Cooperative organizations, land trusts, community land trusts. There are different ways to preserve farmland. Urban growth boundaries are not used much here in Wisconsin, but they are used elsewhere, and we could adopt them here to limit the encroachment of cities and onto prime farmland. The Farmland Advisory Council, that's an important role that that Place in the state to try and help state government and state legislature understand the relative value of farmland, mm-hmm. uh, preserving farmland. Now, so those are some organizations and those are some activities. But here I think is the big one, Heather. I think this is the big one. Right now, we put the value of farmland in terms of developers, put in terms of what they can lease or sell, you know, once they build build, sell, what they can get for it. And Mm -hmm. if you look at the present value of farmland only in terms of the next crop or the next uh, or the developer, well, the farm production, agriculture people will lose every time because it's never going to have the same bottom line value. So Mm -hmm. however, we know from this conversation we've been having that there are many, many unmeasured benefits of the farmland for greenhouse gas medication, for instance, right, for yeah. for uh, adopting production activities that even produce healthier food, that right. for what I guess I'm trying to get to is we need to rethink how we measure the value, that the economic value has to comprehend the variety of benefits that are produced, and, and not focus only on sort of a bottom line dollar amount from comparing acreage of food produced versus a 100 unit rental building. <laughs>
1: because, right, right. It's, well, it's not exactly a level playing field. If it's you,
0: not a level playing if, field.
1: Depending on the lens you use.
0: That's right. And so we need at the very least to be aware of different lenses and, and really try and understand the costs and benefits of these different lenses. Because we need to get out of the thinking of what does this signing this contract mean uh, for yeah. my bank account tomorrow? And ask, what does this signing this contract mean for my kids and grandkids for their future? So, yes. The, the to,
1: long-term uh, lens is, long-term is, uh,
0: lens is, super is important.
1: Important. In, important in a lot of different things in our lives, and especially this.
0: Yeah. Comprehensive and long-term.
1: We'll take another short break. Welcome back to Money Sense. I'm Heather Deaton, Wealth Advisor. And today we're talking about food systems. You know, thinking about food and access to food and security or rather insecurity of food. I'm on the board for Fondy Food Center in the Milwaukee area. And I help out at the Fondy Farmers Market, which is in the city of Milwaukee. It's a market that's been there for over a hundred years. And one of the programs that we have is a market match. So someone can bring their SNAP benefits, their food assistance benefits card and redeem some of their benefits off of that card and get tokens to spend at the market because the individual farmers can't take those cards. And when we have funding for, we actually have a very important program which will match those dollars, dollar for dollar, which means instead of say only taking $20 off their card, They're getting $20 off their card to spend at the market and an additional $20 to spend all on healthy fruits and vegetables. And to see that come full circle, because that's more funds to be spent at the market at those small farmers and producers that then have a greater economic opportunity. It is truly a a whole cycle of joy when I get to see that piece of it all coming together.
0: That is awesome. I'm so glad to be speaking with an expert on such an important topic. And it's something that's very dear to me as well. You put it exactly correctly. Folks are able to double and sometimes triple the value of their dollar at the farmer's market to access that healthy food. One of the things that I've been tracking with my farmer's market management software is this important value. Just like everyone else, people on low income have used farmers markets more this year during the pandemic than in other years. They recognize the value. They are part of the community as well. We need to raise them up and not just think about an emergency food system that's the lowest common denominator, but that instead incorporates these folks with their dollars in a healthy local economy. They are important members of our community. Not just socially, not just economically, not just in terms of how they diversify, but how together we all become more human. <laughs> so I'm just analyzing data from 10 markets in California so that are part of the Farm to Facts program. And again, there, 10 to 15% increases in food security spending. But like the Fondi Food Center, which is dear to my heart, and I thank you for serving that center, they ran out of their Double Dollars program. Mm-hmm. What does this mean? It means that people like you and me and listeners to this program can play a role in enhancing economic development and food security by making contributions to these double-dollar programs. I did a research with the Williamsburg Farms Market in Colonial Williamsburg, Virginia. Looked at 12 years of data from the market and, and visited the market on a couple of occasions and saw they had a big jar. Make your contributions so that we can triple- the dollars of our low income. They didn't say, you know, the poor. They didn't say, you know, they, they framed it in terms of folks who weren't as well off as uh, most of the consumers in that, you know, pretty wealthy market. Colonial Williamsburg's a, a pretty uh, tony little town, but it's got its pockets of low income folks who are the working poor, you know, who, who for whatever the reasons may be, they need support and the support that we can provide them at farmers markets doubles, sometimes triples. I think at that market in 2018, it
1: was 347%. So wow. every
0: snap dollar community, banks, other organizations, community came together to make sure that, that those dollars went further. I am doing work right now with the Central Rivers Farm Shed here in Wisconsin. Uh, nine counties in central Wisconsin, Wausau, Wapaka, Stevens Point, uh, Portage, in that in that general area. Sure. Uh, and, and we are writing a grant to the Medical College in Wisconsin right now that's under review, letter of introduction to a grant that we want to write to the Medical College that brings together UW-Stevens Point, my lab at UW-Madison, Medical College staff, the Central Rivers Farm Fresh Atlas Network, to support markets in that area, to develop these connections, to enhance the food security and economic opportunity at, the, at many of the markets. This is a win-win-win situation, folks. I'm sure that somebody can come up with a downside. Please email me so that I can, you know, take it seriously because I'm a, at the end of the day, I'm a scientist and I follow the evidence. And, and work that we did in Brown Deer, Wisconsin, showed the value of the program. We showed 500% increase in SNAP benefits whenever there was community connections made between the market and the community in Brown Deer. That is published. I'm happy to send it to anybody. We're gonna deploy that model. Uh, we took that model to uh, market in Warren, Rhode Island. They've done fantastically with it. It's another partner market of Farm to Facts. And the uh, more we can further relationships with each other, the more we see each other's common humanity, then we will address each other's needs. It's important really, stuff.
1: It is, Alfonso. You said it, you said it right. That relationship to, whether it's relationship to our land, to our food, to our farmers, like you said, to each other. Relationships is, is the basis of so much in our lives. It's really where our culture comes from. You know that's something that even at Ellen Becker, when we're working with our clients, you know it's about it's about planning, it's about building a system that's going to work for for that individual, for that family, and it's so much the underbelly is the relationship because until you know what somebody's values are and what their hopes and dreams and fears are, you don't really know them, and it's hard to work with them. but if we can build these these relationships, like you said, build these bridges across. All different aspects of, say, our food system is going to be really impactful.
0: It's so important the way you said that, too, because it's true. Those relationships you have with your clients, they will recognize in farmers markets, between market managers Mm -hmm. and other community organizations, between uh, well-working government agencies and the private sector. Planning is at the basis of all this. Recognizing our mutually held values and mutually achievable goals, we can advance these things.
1: Absolutely.
0: Heather, I really appreciate your thoughts on it because it's is—it's absolutely congruent with what you do professionally for a living.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for all the expertise and passion that you shared with us today, Alfonso. Money Sense airs on Saturdays from 2 to 3 p.m. on Sundays from noon to 1 p.m., And if you like today's show and you want to know more, please visit www.allenbecker.com or call us at 262-691-3200. As always, I hope that we've made a difference in your personal and your financial well-being. And remember that before we plan, before we advise, before we invest, we always listen.